Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to another episode of the uh, Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be at this point? Are we all enjoying our fuel poverty status? Not I! How many? I mean, I'm sure there are people out there currently struggling. You know? But has anybody changed their, um, their, their I was going to say their methods. Their methods of heating. Uh, we're doing laps in the kitchen now. Uh, and when we're cooking dinner... When we've got the gas hob on, we actually all gather round like cavemen against the fire and uh, and warm ourselves. It's not really about being, you know, uh, reduced to a, a crumbling heap of coldness. You know, it's about getting smarter with our energy. That's what it is. It's getting smarter with your energy. Why simply just cook your dinner on a gas hob when you could be drying your clothing or thawing out an elderly pensioner? Eh? Why not do that? Why don't? Maybe what the Tory government is, you know, they're, they're playing into the hands of the hipsters. You know, they're looking at the new, the new generation. I don't even know what they're called. Gen Z was that me? Millennials, Gen X, and then the fucking new bunch of dicks, heartless husks, wimps, weak people, and they're saying, you know what they love? They love retro. You know, they, they love, the the hipsters love nothing more than a bit of retro, you know, authenticity, it's what they want, so let's give them an authentic experience, let's drive up the cost of every fucking thing you need, so we get to the point where, because this will help everything, because we're, we're dealing with a, a fuel crisis, we're dealing with a housing crisis, let's combine the two, and let's get everybody Back living in one room, eh? The, 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 I don't think we're probably that far away from the government building new homes, which is just a, a fucking box, and in the centre of that box is an old-fashioned bread oven. You go up in the morning, you cook the bread in the bread oven, and then the heat for the furnace warms your cockles for the day. Lots to talk about in this episode. It's going to be a ranty one. I can feel it. I can feel the fucking blood boiling in me already. I've also not had breakfast yet, which means I'm on, I'm already on that level of anger, up, which is up here. 
All right? So I'm, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to go and get to eat after this to feed this furnace and already I'm up here. Also, I will just say before we do kick off, I I was thinking earlier on in the week, right? I, I try and sometimes try and think about things that I'm going to talk about in the show. If, if there's anything that's kind of on my mind, I'll know what to do so I don't forget it because I'm forgetting stuff, man, now. I'm forgetting stuff. I've done it my whole life. I was going to say career. What career? I, I When I used to think about stand-up ideas or ideas for comedy, I would think of something. I would, uh, you know, chuckle to myself. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? And then I would I would say, I'll, I'll remember it. I don't need to write it down or make a, a voice note in my phone because I'll remember it. And what happens? I don't fucking remember it. I, I never. I must have forgotten endless amounts of award-winning material over the years. And then I try and trick myself by saying, if it was actually a really good bit, I would have remembered it. That's not how the brain works. You know? You've got to... Uh, I'm also realising as I got older that you've got to... Feel, I mean, this, this is the thing. I can't even speak. I can't even speak today, which is, which is difficult when you're doing a podcast. You've got to feed the brain. You know? It's a muscle. You've got to feed it. Good, healthy food and pure work at your brain muscles. I'm not saying we only start doing Sudoku's again or fucking uh, Wordle. What Wordle? But I need to start every year. I say it myself. I need to start reading. You know? I'm forgetting words, man. <laughs> Is this dementia? Hello, darkness, my old friend. I mean, dementia. I was going to say I wish I had dementia. I don't. It's a horrific disease. It's a horrible, horrible thing. But the way the world is now, man, I mean, come on, you know? If I could, if I could check in, like some kind of what virtual reality experience, you know? Like a fancy uh, rehab clinic somewhere, you know, in America, because that's what these things are, and just check in. What, what can we do for you today, Miss Gibson? I'm, 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 I'm going to say a, a month... Uh, and I'm just looking to uh, to just live like a dementia patient for a month, just to forget everything in life, and just be you know just be a mess in the corner and be and be fed uh, pudding. Oh, what we'll goes with Mister Gibson? Would you like a CVA? It doesn't matter. Hen, I'll be in my own world anyway. Just unplug for the Matrix for a month, you know. Reset. Reset. Huh? Wouldn't that be lovely? Anyway. Um, Lots to talk about. A uh, couple of questions uh, from listeners as well. Um, a few great suggestions from the uh, the rascals on the Patreon. If you're not uh, supporting the show yet on on Patreon, pa- Patreon, Patreon, um, then do so. Best way to support the show, only way to access extra content. Um, from now on, the podcast goes out once a week to you, listeners, great listeners. Uh, but you know, in your hearts. You are freeloading scumbags, and that this is this is life. You know, this is the choices we make. Some people support art and artists. They are good humans. They have joy in their heart, a spring in their step. They're exciting people, interesting people, people you want to spend time with, people you want to listen to, people who you want to communicate with, people who you actually value, and those people are patrons. Rascals, and then there's the other group of people who are scumbags, you know, freeloading, free listening scumbags. There's still hope for you. There's hope for you because you listen. You listen to the podcast. Maybe you watch the videos on YouTube, and you know in your heart you're a good person. And you might say things like, "Oh, big man, I've just no got four pound." Yeah, so support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Sign up. You get an extra episode. Every single week. Um, an hour of stand-up went out last week. There's another part two of that stand-up show's coming out this Sunday as well. You know? And you might be thinking, what show, big man? Oh, there's only one way to find it. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Comedy album's on there. There's almost a hundred extra episodes of the podcast, the Sunday service. is on there as well. And uh, from now on, uh, although the podcast does go out free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every single week, the the good people of Patreon, Patreonis, they will get the full, unedited, extended version. Last week's episode has an extra, what, 27 minutes on it? I mean, it's half an hour, you know? It's a ball here, half an hour. So, support the show. You can sign up for as little as £4 a month, 
and you get all that extra content. It's you know, it's, it's worth it. Fifty p an episode, man. I mean, I'm I'm cutting my own throat here. I don't know why I'm looking over there. It's not there. Anyway, today we need to talk about fuel poverty, national insurance rise, because I want to talk about that. Uh, I've got some great questions. And uh, there's some good news articles as well. It's going to be a jam-packed bloody show, man. Eh? On this, which is podcast coming out late. It's coming out on Thursday. Good God, life has got in the way. You know? It's just been one of the weeks. It's been one of the weeks. I was convinced it was Tuesday for about three days. You know? I, I was so discombobulated. What a great word. I was so discombobulated. I, uh, when do you ever use that in day-to-day speak in a sentence? Discombobulated? Never. And I've just dropped it three times. It's like long division. You do a long division in school, you never fucking, you never once use it in real life. You know? Same with the word discombobulated. Anyway, I was so f- fucking messed up in the mind, no known the days. I tried to take the bins out last night. I was halfway doing the drive, right? Now you're maybe going like, the big man's got a drive. I mean, it's a. I'm, I'm set back on the road. It's it's an incline, you know. So taking a bin, doing the incline. I mean, it's a it's a shift. You've got to. There's a special manoeuvre into it. You position the bin against your back. You know, it's it's a physics thing, right? But I was halfway doing the slope, and I realised it's uh, it's Wednesday. The bin's done good on Wednesday. So I had to fucking, uh, I had to take the bin back up. There's nothing. I was going to say there's nothing more embarrassing. I mean, there's there's many things embarrassing, but uh, but you know, as a, uh, as a as a man, and I can only speak as a man. I've never lived as a woman. Um, although during uh, lockdown, the first one, I, I was uh, you know financially taken care of. So you know, make of that what you will. But to take your bins out, and then to get to the end of of your 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 area, you know, on your curbside, on the pavement, onto the road. To then be met with the embarrassment of an empty street. Oh, God. Shut to the heart. It's soul destroying. Because I'm not, I'm not a confident enough person to just leave my bin there. There are some people who will just take their fucking bins out on any day they want. You know? Mental. Where are you going? Take the bins out. Straight to your mad bastard. Don't go to fucking Wednesday. I'll take my bin out when I want to take my fucking bin out. And they will allow their bin to sit there. For days, there's also people, the reverse of that, who, once the bin has been emptied, will also just leave it in the street. Who the fuck are these cunts? They, they will leave the bin on the street until they have something to put in that bin. Now, you might be thinking, listen, big man, in a, in a world where fuel poverty and fuel economy is, is on the tip of everybody's finger tongues, I suppose that extra journey of retrieving the empty bin and bringing it back, that's, that's burning fuel. So do you wait until you've got to put a bin bag in the bin, take it to the bin, bring the bag, bring the, bring the bag, bring, bring the bin back? It's easy for you to say. Maybe I've got dementia. Bring the bin back. Bring, bring the bin back. Maybe that's the right way to do it. Maybe that's the right way to do it. Maybe we just leave our bins in the street. Maybe we just leave our bins in the street permanently. Maybe we just leave our bins in the street permanently. Maybe the street is a bin. Maybe we just dump all our rubbish on the street. That's the only thing I miss about Edinburgh. It's generally the only thing I miss about Edinburgh. That and Deliveroo. Is the communal bins. The big fucking massive communal bins. Didn't matter what day of the week it was, you just came downstairs and you just fucked it all into a big, massive, communal bin. And then somebody would come and collect it. And the bin was empty. It was great. Now, I've got five bins. I've got five. I've never had so many bins in my life. Five bins. I've got more bins than I've had relationships. Five bins. Two of them are blue. I was going to say something sectarian there, but I'm not, I'm not going to. But I've got two blue bins. <laughs> what 
What was I talking about? What was I talking about? I have got to mention it. Sorry, I had to have been out. But like I said, that that is a level of confidence that I I don't think I'll I don't think I'll ever have. You know, I I wouldn't say I'm not a, I'm an unconfident person, but I'm certainly my anxiety curbs that it curbs my my confidence moving into arrogance. I suppose maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we should off a wee bout of, of anxiety. Maybe people who are arrogant, you know, fill themselves up their own arses. Maybe they could do a wee fucking, uh, a wee five milligram of anxiety. Uh-oh. You know? <laughs> Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need like a panic attack gun. We need somebody for the council. I mean, no, the council, they fucking cunts could run in. But we need somebody in society, right? The anxiety person. Like the old days when you get the dogger man, right? When he'd fucking roll up to school thinking he's dogged about the hunter. I mean, when I was at school, how do you go if we talk about wheelie bins to fucking dogger men? I don't know. Dogger men? <laughs> dogger men something completely different. A dogger man. Now, there, there might be some English people listening to this, right? And uh, there's obviously people from, from further afield. I know we've got some listeners in, in Australia. Good eye. I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call it where you're from. But when I was a young warthog, if you played truant from school, you called it dogging, right? Now, this is obviously before before we knew what dogging was, you know? If, if, if somebody would say to you when you were young, right, 12, 13, through to, you know, school leaving age, 16, 17, right? Are you dogging tomorrow? That would mean you're not going to school. It would they mean you're driving to a secluded car park and rubbing your testicles against uh, a, a cavalier's window? It meant you're dog in school. You're 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 playing truant. You're not going to school. Playing truant, right? Now you would leave in the morning. You know, goodbye, mother. Goodbye, mama. Right, and you'd head off. Have a wonderful day at school, son. I, I mean, I don't imagine that was your upbringing either. I, I imagine it was like most of us. Either you were told to get out, or you are kicked from your mother's car at high speed because she's rushing off to work and uh, and you, you know, you can't be asked walking. Uh, so you, you know, you, you get papped out or maybe they, you know, your mum had to move uh, because you couldn't afford a house near the school, right? And then you get dropped off in the morning. But a bus doesn't run uh, at your new house. You know, there's no school bus that comes there. But even if there's a school bus, you know, you're not going to go on a school bus because you're 14, you know, and you're not special needs. So you, you know why I go on the school bus, you know? So you want to you walk, but it's a, it's a rough part of town. And uh, so your mum drops you off, but she's not going to take me, you know, she's not going to take me physically stop, you know? And uh, kids were tough in the 90s. So you just open the door and you'd be fucking, you'd be kicked out. Your, your mum would uh, assume the role of a Formula One driver uh, you know, uh, carrying out a pit stop, right? You'd be driving up to school and you'd be thinking, fucking hell, man, double mass. And then you would just hear your mother from the driver's seat go, box, box, box. And you knew that that was, that was your type of undo the seatbelt and uh, hold the bag like you're a paratrooper. And then the door open and then go, 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 and you're out. And then she's off to work, right? And that was life. And, uh, Sometimes you would you would play along, you know, and you would you would say, "Drop me off here, mum." Uh, I can see you know a fictional friend, and she'd be like, "Box, box, box," and she'd zoom in, hazards on doors open, out you get. And then you would you would go and dog, <laughs> you know, you just kick a boot, you know, if you were lucky enough, and uh, you had a friend who you know who 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 knew that there was no way anyone was going to return. Uh, you would you would go home, or you would go to his house or her, or her house and hang out, you know, just 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 dog school. Uh, one of the best days of my life, dog in school, came home, knowing that my mother would not return until uh, late in the evening. She'd be none the wiser that I had dog school. And the dogger man came to the front door. Now the dogger man was a I think his official title was truancy officer. Hello. Truancy officer, right? And he would basically go into the school in the morning, like fucking dog the bounty hunter, and he'd be given a list. A list of doggers or doggies, 
right? Whoever you are, <laughs> whatever you are, call them. Can't sit on the school. Who should be at school, right? And then the dogger man would go out to their house like a fucking grass, like a snake, right? A fucking snaky grass. And he'd put a, a letter through your door. So your parents knew you were dogging. So we, we got wise to this, right? And uh, I'm at home, I'm dogging school. The door goes, opens the door. It's the fucking dogger man. I was like, oh, in the name of it, it's the dogger man. I am face to face with the dogger man. This is like meeting Jack the Ripper. I mean, the, the chances of you as a dogger meeting the dogger man, they were slim to none. You just, you heard of this guy. You heard about the dogger man, the truancy officer. You never ever thought you'd be face to face with him. A man who has destroyed endless lives over the years for a, for a simple task of missing school for a day. And here I am, face to face with the cunt. And he's a wee guy, remember that? He's smaller than me. And I was, what, 14 at the time? 15? And he was smaller than me. I was like, you little snake. And he opened the door. Well, I opened the door because it was my house. I mean, it'd be weird if, if I was outside and he was in my house. I'd be like, what are you doing in my house, dogger man? He'd be like, I knew you were coming back here, you cunt. I opened the door and uh, I said, hello. Now, it was in my, my gym jams at the time, which uh, I think was a pair of boxer shorts and a t-shirt. And I said to him, hello. And he says, are your parents home? And I went, what? Now, I went, what? As in two things. First of all, I don't live in a council estate, so how, why he would assume my parents were at home during the day? I mean, they're out working, you know, how dare you? Uh, second of all, I was just shocked that I was face-to-face with a dogger man. You know? I mean, I didn't want to go, we, finally we meet dogger man. <laughs> you shall not pass. So I says, what? And he went, oh, sorry. Um, you, and then he said to me, your brother is missing from school today. Can you give your parents this letter for me? It's from the school. And I said, my brother, now I have a brother, David, right? And I thought, David's missing from school. Obviously no say anything to the dogger man. Tell the dogger man nothing, right? Fucking poker face. I went, right. And he gave me a letter and it says, yeah, so Scott's not been in. I went, oh, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who I am. All he's got is a name. You know, all he's got is a name. Now, I imagine now, if there even is a dogger man, it's all on an app, you know? Like fucking uh, some kind of Mission Impossible thing, right? Some kind of Matrix style. Some AI. Uh, the dogger man goes in, plugs his finger, you know, snaps the tap of his thumb. It's a USB stick, plugs into the Matrix, and he's downloaded it like a fucking dogger man cyborg. And then he can go out, scanning Wayne's... <laughs> <laughs> is that is he a fucking pedo? No, that's a dogger man. That's a dogger man, man. Scanning faces, looking for children to identify. But this is the nineties. He didn't have that information. All he had was a name and an address. A name and an address. That's it. And he thinks he's gone looking for a fourteen-year-old boy. And he doesn't know that I am that 14-year-old boy. You know? Because he's looking at me going, Gun's got sideburns, he's fucking nearly six feet tall, with a pair of shoulders on him. There's no way he's 14. That's what he's thinking. He's thinking he's the elder brother. That's what he's thinking. He doesn't know that it's actually me, face to face, with the fucking Wayne he's trying to catch. This is like some fucking sign of the Zodiac stuff, man. Know what I mean? Face to face with a killer. <laughs> <laughs> this is, in, it is, it is as intense as that scene in Heat. You know? When De Niro and Pacino finally meet each other. That is how intense that was. Face to face with a dogger man. And he gave me that line and says, if you can give that to your parents, that'd be great. They just have to sign it and uh, get Scott to bring it back into school. And it was basically along the lines of to say that the school was making them aware that you weren't present on that day and, and they're now made aware of that. And, you know, and I think the hope at that time was that schools were starting to change, starting to transition 
because they can't hit, they can't hit wins anymore, you know. And the fucking Scottish government put it into that, but they, they were transitioning away from, um, not reprimanding, but moving away from from the school themselves being the one who kind of dished out the punishment and and effectively grassing you into your parents, right? By giving you this letter to go, listen, that wee fat bastard was dogging it today, so do with this information as you will. And your mom would battle you, right? So you sign a letter and they bring it back in. Face to face with the dogger, man. You know, play it cool, son. The tension, man, when he handed him that letter. as like, never have anything in your life you're not willing to walk away from in 60 seconds. Do you understand me, dogger, man? <laughs> Oh man, I forgot all about that as well. And I met, I can, you know, I can, because I can remember, I can remember already, like being in the house, obviously my house, my mum's house, right? But being in the house that morning, thinking this is the greatest dogging experience because I just decided I was having the day off, right? As I do sometimes now, but I just decided I'm having the day off. Didn't tell any of my pals. I didn't date. I just came home knowing that my mum wasn't going to be in until well after tea time. So there was no way I was going to get caught. No way at all. And then the dog and man appears. And I, I managed to navigate that. By just having really, you know, old jeans. Not old Levi's. Just an old looking boy. Shut the door and ask like, I am the ultimate dog and man. But then the problem comes when you have to get that letter signed and returned. You know? Now, here's the thing, right? All throughout my school life, and I don't know how this never, ever came up, all throughout my time in high school, and possibly, I think it maybe started in primary school. This is where the, the seeds of it grew from. My mum and dad are obviously divorced, right? Divorced when I was young. I was like five, I think. And um, my, my grandpa was a big part of my, my life. He was like my father figure, if you like, right? So he'd be coming to like sports days and things like that. And certainly in primary school and towards part of my, my time in high school, the teachers knew him and, and when I was in high school, my headmaster knew him simply because my grandpa would take me to my rugby and he was heavily involved in that. And then the school started a rugby team, so my grandpa became involved in the rugby team and, and all this kind of stuff, right? And uh, if there was ever any like school trips, you needed parents to go along, he would come along and that. So it, it, people... Teachers knew all of them and that kind of thing, right? And I could forge my grandfather's signature. Like, and I mean, I could have... If, if someone had given me guidance, there's been a few times in my life where if, I, if, I, if a strong male figure had came in and guided me, I could have had a very different life. I could have been a professional forger, if that's a thing. I had his signature down so well that later on in life when you, you know, you're an adult and you confess these things, like, I've been signing your signature for fucking 15 years and you laugh about it and then when I showed him, I remember I was in his kitchen and I showed him his signature and he's, I think he was actually quite frightened <laughs> because this is still when, like, checkbooks and stuff like that, I think, I could have done the one for thousands, but I had his signature I mean, it was perfect. It, it was as if he had signed it himself. It was perfect in every single way. So I used to sign every punishment exercise, every every pony, every letter, uh, the dogger man, anything that I got from school that I didn't need my mother to know about. Obviously, there's things like uh, you know, for school trips or something, like, or, or something that you had to get, you know, your mum had to know about, fine, you know, she signs it. Everything, and I mean everything else, was signed by my grandfather, by me, right? And I would tell the story that uh, because my mum and dad are divorced, that sometimes we stay, my brother and I get him involved in the lie. Sometimes we stay at my grandparents if my mum's working late or whatever, or my grandpa brings us to school. So sometimes he signs it, sometimes my mum signs it. It's just difficult. And if you if you keep the lie small enough, that is believable. 
they, they accept it. And also, as you get older, you realise, and here's the truth of it, the vast majority of teachers, I would say 99.9%, there's probably 0.1% of teachers that differ from this. But 99.9% of teachers do not give a fuck. And that's it. They do not care. When you're young and you're in school, you think that your teacher cares about you as a person, as an individual. They couldn't give a flying fuck about you. They couldn't care. When they're doing the registration, they hope none of you turn up. They couldn't give a fuck about you. But you think that, I'm going to get caught, they're going to grass on me, my teacher. They don't care. They don't care about you. So when you get in the store at that, fine. Look at the signature, looks good. And you move on with life. That pun, that letter for the dogger man. Got my grandpa's finest man, finest signature. I was like, there you go. That's actually how I started doing a signature as well. I remember when I was, I had to get a bank account and they asked me to sign it and I just I just wrote my name. You know, like most young people do. Scott. Just wrote it like that. And then I think the, the woman in the bank says, do you not have a signature? And I remember feeling like quite, I feel attacked as if like, no, is this like the judge went, no, you've just written your name, you've just written your name, you moron. And that's when I looked at my grandpa's signature and my dad's signature. And both of them are slightly similar, completely different in what they write, but very similar in style. And that that's how I started to, to write what is my signature now. Do you mean and kind of learn for that? But my grandpa thinks there's a fucking belter man. It's basically just like a it just looks like a scribble. It's not legible in any way, but it's it's beautiful and it's a great it's a great fucking signature. Anyway, how do we go for talking about Willie Bins to the Doggerman? I don't know, but if you are the type of person who has the confidence to leave uh, a bin out on the wrong day or leave a, a, a recently emptied bin on the street for a for a further twenty four hours. Um, you're a far more confident person than I, and I would argue that you're possibly the uh, the 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 king of your street. If you are the person who can leave an empty bin for a further day on the curbside, you run that street. Is my opinion. There you go. What an odd. What an odd opening 30 minutes of the show. But hey, it is what it is. Right, let's get into this. Um, I need to talk about the whole fuel poverty thing, the fuel crisis thing, everything that's happening. I, I also am of the opinion, which will be against the public thinking, and probably against yourself, I am now of the opinion that we have to offer a sacrifice to the gods in order to change what's happening right now in the Matrix. Because whatever left turn or right turn we have gone down to get to this point, I think we can all agree this is the shittest form of the game of life that any of us have experienced, right? Uh, we need to change it. We offer a sacrifice, and that sacrifice needs to be Martin Lewis. Now, I know a lot of you are going, Gibbo, that man is a money-saving expert. He is full of fucking shit. I know that everybody's sharing all their posts. I've signed up to his newsletter for 47 years and he has saved me a total of £16 over that time. It's fucking nonsense. He's on every show. He's on every fucking newspaper. Listen... What I've got to say is, and the truth is going to hurt, but we're, we're actually fucked, all right? We're fucked. This is a guy who, people forget, recently, what, two years ago, no, even that, was saying the way for you to make yourself debt-free is to take your credit cards, put it in a Tupperware of water, and then put that into the freezer and freeze your credit card so that there's no way for you to get to it to put more money on it. If that is fucking money-saving expert advice, then fuck me in the bum, because that is nonsense. But suddenly now he's back on everywhere. The guy's a genius. He knows fuck all. Now, here's my problem with, with the whole fuel poverty thing, right? 
and and I spoke about this kind of recently, and it's almost the exact same thing with the whole fucking Greg Sosh's Road debacle, right? This is companies making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of profit. And that profit is not passed to us. That profit is absorbed by them, and then they want more. And that involves us paying more, right? Look at the price of diesel. It's still over 170. Some places doing it 169. Fine. It's still higher than it was before the war. We paid, and I know that I joke and I laugh and I'm kind of kidding on, but I'm also kind of fucking serious. We paid £400 million to get that fucking captured MI5 agent back home to her husband in the, in the apparent agreement that the Iranians are going to start giving us oil to drop down the cost of diesel. Fucking wee shitey Sunak then drops five pence on the tax of fuel. Do we see that five pence? No, we don't. That is absorbed by us and we continue paying the price. So nothing changes. Nothing changes at all. Like I said before on the podcast, I got a, a smart meter which drove me insane. I'm looking at my smart meter the other day. I'm talking about between seven and eleven pence per kilowatt hour. It's now into the sixties. It's now at sixty-three, sixty-seven pence. And you might be saying to yourself, "I mean, sixty-three, sixty-seven pence per kilowatt hour—that isn't much." What's a kilowatt hour? I've no idea. I don't bloody know. No idea. I don't know what a kilowatt hour is. Is it an hour? I don't know. What's a kilowatt? I've no idea. But I know that we need fucking 40 gigawatts and we need to get this house up to 88 mile an hour and then we can fucking go back to the future. I have no idea. But all I know is that we fucking meet in the corner used to say 11 pence and now it says 67 pence and its arrow is fucking in the amber and that is a bad sign. Now, here's my concern, right? We live in Scotland. That may come as a shock to you. I live in Scotland. Okay? There is not a window in this fucking country. You cannot look out of any window in Scotland and not see a fucking wind farm. The country is one giant wind farm. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be in Elgin, Peterhead, Aberdeen, that's they're all up North Cable. You could be in Dumfries, Oban. You could be in a fucking island in the arsehole nowhere. You could be in that weird fucking island in Arran where all the monks live, you know, to speak. You could be on fucking there. You could be in, in rural Persia. If you look at any fucking window in this country, you'll see a bastard in wind farm. How the fuck are we still in fuel poverty? We've got wind. We've got solar. We have got wave. Fucking wave! And let's not forget... We've got fucking oil. We've got oil. We have fucking oil. How in the name of Christ is this fuel poverty crisis happening? How currently in 2021 or 2022? It's 2022, give up. 2022. <laughs> That's how much this is frying my brain. I'm living in the past. Explain to me how in 2022... With all the fucking wind farms, with the wave, with the solar, with fucking oil. In Scotland, we still have a fuel poverty crisis. We should be in a position, not only where fuel, i.e. gas, diesel, electricity, anything you need to power your home to live your life, not only should that be a reasonable cost, there's probably arguments that it should be fucking free. There's probably arguments that it should be free to fucking heat your home because we produce enough of the fucking stuff. Now, all right, we've still got a bit to go, but I was looking at some numbers this morning. I'm even looking at bloody numbers. 25%, that's a quarter, right? Now, I, I still think these numbers are, are downplayed. 25%. Of UK energy is produced by wind. 25%. Now, this is where it gets interesting as well. And this is when, and I'm not going to bang a drum here about independence, but I do think it's time for fucking Scotland to go, goodbye England, build a wall, and watch them all freeze. There is enough energy produced in Scotland through wind, only wind, to power 1.6 million homes. Now, we are a population of, what, 6 million people? 
I don't know how many homes are in Scotland. There's probably less than six million because not everybody's got a house. Wind alone produces enough energy to power 1.6 million homes. In Scotland, we only import 22% of our energy. So so where is this where is this gap coming from? Where is where is this fucking sudden dramatic increase increase in costs coming from? Now you can argue it's global politics, it's Ukraine, it's Russia. And if that's the case, then toughen the fuck up and let's go and kill somebody. Let's go and fucking kill somebody. Something's got to change, man. Because everything kinda keep going up. Production levels kinda keep rising. With regards to energy, we are fucking building wind farms left, right and centre. Again, if you live in this country, not only can you not look out a window and see a wind farm, you cannot drive down a motorway in Scotland without seeing a wind turbine going the other fucking way. Where's it going? To a hilltop somewhere. Fine, get the fucking thing up and get it moving. 22%, that's it. We are not in a situation where, and this is what I, when I think, when I, when I look at the media, it almost wants you to believe that we produce nothing. Like we have to get all of our energy from somewhere else. 22% is all that we import in Scotland. 22%, that's nothing. There is a wind farm just now. Where is it? Biggest wind farm in Scotland. Sea Green, right? This is what I was talking about. So, what is the biggest wind farm in Scotland? Sea Green is Scotland's largest renewable energy project and one of the biggest private investments in Scottish infrastructure. Private investment, which means the cunts want paid. But that's fine, right? That's fine. They want paid. I get it. I get it. If somebody's done a private investment, they want to get paid and they want to make tens of billions of millions of squidlies. I get it. But guess what? See when they built the Erskine Bridge and we all paid a wee 20 pence? to get over the Erskine Bridge, and you just thought, well, that's what it is. I've got to pay 20 pence to get over the Erskine Bridge. What else am I going to do? Drive through Glasgow and come up through Dumbarton? Don't be fucking ridiculous. My car will be on bricks if I need to go through Dumbarton. So we paid our 20 pence, and then some fucker went, hold on a minute here. I've been paying 20 pence to go over the Erskine Bridge for fucking years. And somebody done the mass went, we've paid for that cunt twice. And do you know what they did? They fucking shot the guy who built the... They never shot the guy, but they get rid of the fucking toll booths. So fine. Build your wind farms, build your oil refineries, whatever it is, and see when you get the money back that you cost to build the fucking thing, we're going to come in and shoot you. <laughs> we need to start killing more. More people need to be killed. And I don't mean in a COVID sense, right? Or a Ukrainian-Russian war. I mean in a fucking society, Scottish sense. Build a wind farm and then fucking bolt gun somebody. Obviously, I don't condone violence, if anyway. Sea Green. Uh, the wind farm will be capable of generating around 5,000 gigawatt hours of renewable energy annually, which is enough clean and sustainable electricity. Also, can I just see here, put a pin in this, let me just stop. We're done, right? This whole organic, vegan, clean, renewable, it's finished. You had your chance, you fucking blew it, right? You had your chance, and you blew it. Those of you out there who are in the activist groups, who are giving, oh, we can't be spraying this stuff in the fields, we have to allow nature to grow, and animals should be allowed freedom to roam, and renewable energies, and everything should be green, and electric cars, fuck off, it's done, it is done, you had your chance, there was a small window of opportunity, in the mid noughties right, where you had a chance there, when life was good, Okay, we'd came out of housing crisis, people had money in their pockets again, we were travelling, we were forgetting about stuff, that was your window of change, and you fucking blew it, because you were uh, super gluing yourself to fucking motorways, and you're out taking over bridges in London, and having fucking kumbaya fucking orgy parties, you blew it, right, it's game over now, we're back to the old days, stuff's expensive, People can't afford to do things. People can't afford to fucking feed their families, to heat their homes, to travel, to go on holiday, to buy things they need, to buy things they want, to buy things they don't want. The vast majority of people go out every day to work, to a job that they fucking can't stand. And don't we do the day at night? Do you think they sit and they go, should we put this in an ISA for five years and generate enough uh, percentage income to try and pay the mortgage off three years early? No, they go on fucking Amazon and they buy shit 
for fucking China to make themselves feel better because that's the way the world is. Because this thing called social media came along and it damaged all our fucking minds. So now we have to feed that void by buying stuff we don't want for people we don't like to post on our fucking social media for friends we don't have to continue the circle of hell continuing on. So you coming along now going, sustainable and green and we shouldn't be fracking and we shouldn't be getting the oil and you shouldn't be buying this kind of meat. Fuck off, you're done. You had a chance and you blew it. Your message was fucked. You should have been appealing to people's better sides. You should have been looking at ways to reduce the cost of a healthier, cleaner, more sustainable lifestyle. Because the truth of the matter was, the main push for all that kind of uh, that that way of living is not for the normal working class person. It's for the rich. It's for those who can afford it. So you had your chance, and you blew it. So now we're going back. And we're going back to the old days of the empire. We're going back. We're going to open the fucking coal mines. We're going to start the fucking fracking. And we're getting the oil back at the North Sea. And we're going to live like kings. Build the wind farms. I get it. It's the windiest fucking place on the planet. Build wind farms. Fine. If we've only got to get 22% of energy. If that is all that we import, that's all we need. We don't need more than we need. We need 22% and we've got to find it somewhere. And we can find it from wind. We can find it from solar. We can find it from wave. We can find it from hydrogen. We can find it from these places, from nuclear. We can find it for these places. But this push, this narrative, this conversation about it has to be green or it has to help the environment, far fucking get it. That's over. We're drilling in the North Sea. We're fracking the fuck out of the Highlands. Get me gas, get me oil, and get my fucking prices down. Because that's what has to happen. Vote for Gibble. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, see if I got a squad of like 16 fucking hard cunts and went down to Hollywood, studying me about their arse, man. So, Seagreen. Uh, apparently produces. This is this is. I'm trying. I'm, I'm jumping between two articles here. Wind power contributes 25 percent of UK electricity supplied in 2020, having surpassed coal in 2016 and nuclear in 2018. It's the largest source of renewable electricity in the UK. And that, this is what we have to be pushing for, man. We only need that 22 percent. And here's here's the thing that I, that kind of shocked me, right? Because being Scottish and in Scotland and having to kind of endure some fucking Scottish news, right? Which is the worst news on the planet. I did think that we were, like, world leaders on renewable energy, right? And it'll come as no shock to you. Which country is the largest producer of wind energy? What do you think it is? I'll give you a second to answer. You can you can shout your answers out at the radio. Three, two, one, Go. What country is the largest producer of wind energy? Now, I thought it was us. I thought it was the Scots. I thought we were top of the league, mate. Number one. Champions League places. Number one for heart attacks. Number one for suicides. Number one for stabbings. Number one for drug abuse. And number one for fucking wind farm production. I thought it was us. That was our five claims to fame. Heart disease. Fucking stabbings. Teenage pregnancies. Drug abuse, wind farms, we're up there. It's China. China. It's China. China is the largest producer of wind energy on the fucking planet. And and I, I can only guess it's because they don't fuck about. They don't fuck about. We need to go back to living in a life living in a world where we don't fuck about. China wants a wind farm. China builds a wind farm. China doesn't say, let's have a discussion in a, a government think tank and ask people in these rural Chinese communities, how do they feel about wind farms? 
what we've done is we have gathered a group of 20 um, Sichuan farmers from the Hongyang province of China uh, where we are going to position one of the wind farms and we've brought them in here today for a, a communist party think tank and what we're going to do is we're going to show you some pictures of wind farms and we would like to know how does this make you feel as a member of the communist party of China how do these wind farms make you feel uh-huh Yes, okay. Now, if they were to be positioned in your garden, say, uh, or on the horizon, how would that make you feel? Do you think that's what's happening? Do you think the Chinese government has gone around to these people and said, um, there's going to be a meeting held in the town hall um, where you can voice your opinion on whether or not you'd like the wind farm to be built or not? Do you think that's happening? Or do you think China's going around saying, Gaffer, we can't put the wind farm there because there's four hooses. What hooses? See the four hooses, Gaffer? That's where the turbine's going to go. What hooses? Gaffer, the four hooses? I can't see any. Oh, I get you. Comes back the next day. The hooses are gone. Some wee guy for the councillor. What happened to the hooses? What hooses, mate? No, I'm not saying that we start going round and we start murdering, uh, you know, uh, farmers. I'm just saying. We need to get fucking, we need to get building. We need to cut out all the red tape and we need to get building. We need to look at the things now that are driving costs, that are dri that is driving up the cost of living. And it is fuel, oil and gas, and it is now the, the rise in national health insurance. Or national, no health insurance, national insurance payments. We need to increase production in the wind farms. We need to look at oil. We need to look at drilling again in the North Sea, and I know people will start to complain about that, but it's every year, if anybody, I've got friends who work in oil and gas, and I've got friends who work offshore, as technology increases, they can get more oil out the ground in easier ways and quicker ways. We need to start looking at that again, and we need to start bringing the costs down. Then we look at national insurance payments. National insurance payments started going up the other day. And you might be thinking to yourself, it doesn't affect me. You look at the numbers and it's like, what, a couple of hundred quid, maybe a thousand pound over the year, and you think, ah, oh, fuck it, that's a lot, right? It doesn't matter. And I'm also the opinion, I don't care if it's a thousand pound or a pound. I don't want to give the government fuck all. I don't want to give them anything. I don't want to give them a fucking penny. More than I have to. So I'm not going to sit back and go, well, you know what? The national insurance is going up because it's going to the NHS because this is the narrative. This is the narrative that's been pushed by all the media and been pushed by the government. Your national insurance has gone up because it's helping to further fund the NHS. Now, that'll be pushed for a year or two and the cost of living will fucking rise. And it'll be the point where the average person is now very, very worse off. The average person is now struggling. And then what happens? Bang. Privatise the NHS. This is the next move. This is the next move. They hoped, I imagine, that COVID would have fucked them and they could have privatised the NHS after that, but it didn't. Somehow they came through it. And now they're pushing this narrative. You are having to pay more money, more of your hard-earned money. You already paid more tax than fucking half the countries, if not all the countries in the fucking planet. And now we're taking more off you for the NHS. That thing you say you love so much, well, we want the money to fucking fund it. And it'll go, and it'll go, and it'll not get any better, it'll get worse, and it'll get worse, and eventually it'll break. And then it'll be privatised, it'll be sold off, you'll be given money back, but you'll need to get private health care, and then you'll go for there. And let's just have an open conversation about it. Would it really be that bad? Would it be that bad? You're in a position now where if anybody has ever gone to a hospital recently, most of them are fucked. But I tell you right now, how you save money in the NHS. And again, it's fucking very simple logic. And when you say these things to people, they go, oh, that's a lot of nonsense. Is it though? Is it nonsense? Like everything else in life. We go back to the old school. Anybody in the NHS, see if I'm hired tomorrow. If I am hired tomorrow as health secretary, this is what I do. I spend six months visiting every hospital in the UK. All right? I go in there, I meet them, I talk to them, I see what the issues are, see what the problems are, I invite them to a think tank, because we love think tanks in the government. And then I do this. Everybody who is not a nurse, a doctor, a surgeon, hands-on person, if your job 
is not involved in dealing with patients or treating patients, you're gone. Not only are you gone, that job does not exist anymore. It doesn't exist. You're gone. You you are nothing no more. If you removed all the business people from the NHS, I imagine you would save fucking billions of pounds a year. Because these are the fuckers that are getting paid obscene salaries to do fuck all. Push paper. Have conversations. Be involved in government level decisions. Get to fuck. You're a hospital, you cunt. Treat people or fuck off. So you're gone. I'd have somebody in charge of the hospital. I'd have somebody in charge of the hospital. I'd pay them a fucking obscene salary. And I'd work the cunt in an early grave. I'd make sure they were fucking doing 12-hour shifts, seven days a week, because the fucker's getting paid good money. And I'd work the bastards out of the ground. Doctors and nurses, you get a wage rise. I can give you the wage rise because I have saved billions for getting rid of all these pencil pushers. Now, that comes with a fucking caveat. Because see if you're a shit nurse, or you're a shit doctor, or you're a shit surgeon, or you don't know how to do your fucking job, you're out, you cunt. You're gone. None of this, because you're a nurse, because you're a doctor, because you work in the NHS, you're untouchable. No. See if I come up to a fucking waiting room and I go to see an elderly patient and he's are putting hot teaspoons out in the back of somebody's leg or you're fucking smothering pensioners, right? Well, maybe I give you a rise, kid, in God's work. But if you're just standing around, bitching and moaning, Dane Falker, you're out your arse, cunt! It's a job at the end of the day. Next move, I'm bringing back matrons. Old school, terrifying big women to run a fucking ward. Anything the ward needs, they order it. Anything the ward needs done, they do it. They oversee the ward. They are the fucking Gestapo of the NHS. Everything that happens in that ward goes through this woman. And listen, you can bring fucking feminism and sexist and equal equality. No, these roles are filled by women, right? You don't get a matron that's a man. It doesn't happen. It's a woman. And it's a very particular type of woman. She's older. She's bigger. She's a fucking tank. She can lift a dead body herself. She is an angry, aggressive fucking housewife. She will have that ward spick and span, clean, efficient, sorted. Anybody who can remember being in hospital when there was a matron will remember how well and how good hospital was. Good to a certain extent. Hospital's never good because you're in hospital. But it felt as if it ran more efficient. And it ran well. How many times have you been in a ward now, A&E, and there's some fucking junkie screaming in the corner? Some scumbag husband and wife team having a fucking full-blown barney? That wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened in the days of a matron. It would not have happened. You'd have been told to shut the fuck up, or she would have just sedated you. There wouldn't have been an informal investigation. You gave this man uh, 15 milligrams of triazepine. I don't give a fuck. He was talking loudly in my ward, so I sedated the cunt. He actually had a heart attack and died. Good. Get rid of the pencil pushers. Increase in salary for nurses and doctors. Bring back matrons to run the ward. Give them full autonomy over everything. Ordering for the ward. Hiring, firing, everything. They're never questioned. They are, they are Judge Dredd of the ward. If you did those things, instantly, the NHS changes overnight and saves millions. Am I wrong? Not at all. Then we come down a level. Now we've done that, right? That's, that's my first week. I've done that. Then we come down a level. And we come down a level to GPs, Okay. The first thing we do is every single GP receptionist is executed. They're not fired. They're not removed from their job. They are executed. They are brought into the car park of the GP surgery. They're put on their knees with a, a hood. The hood is removed. And then a member of Her Majesty's Armed Guards says, this is for your crimes against humanity. And we gun them all down. Every one of them is gone. They are the worst people that have ever walked the face of this earth. They're gone. They are replaced with happy-go-lucky, cheerful people. 
you know, good morning, welcome to the GP Sunset. They fucking sing when they answer the phone. Good morning, what are your ailments? They talk to you, right? You go to your GP surgeon, you get a fucking book of tokens. A book of tokens. Well, the old days, right? And in that book of tokens is 50 tokens. Five zero. 50 tokens. Okay? 50 tokens. And each token is one visit to GP surgery. Right? 50 tokens. Now, throughout the course of your life, let's just say a year. How many times a year do you go to see a GP? Probably none. Maybe once, twice, right? Have I been to see my GP this year? No. Okay? Maybe once or twice, you have to go. If you're unwell, fine. So you get 50 there. You never, that's one a week. Do you know who goes once a week? Pensioners. Some pensioners will go twice a week. Now, some of them will go because they're ill. A lot of them will go because they want something to do. So here's how it works. I go into my GP, I give my token... I see my GP and I tell him what's wrong. And my GP will assess me and they'll, they'll tell me how to fix it and I'll go to the, the chemist and I'll get tablets and if you live in Scotland, you get them for free and if you're in England, you have to pay and you should fucking kill your government. But you, you, you move on with life, right? Now, if I go to the GP and the GP assesses me and the GP says, listen, there's fucking no reason for you to be here. You're wasting my time and you're wasting your time. Do you know what happens? Ten tokens are taken from you. Ten tokens. Ten tokens. They take it off you. Now you're doing it. 39 tokens for one visit. Because you've been a fucking lying, manipulative, greeting, all face pensioner and fuck all's wrong with So you come back again next week because you want something to do. Hey, it's Tuesday. I'll go to the GP and you go in, you give them the token, they sit down and the GP says to you, listen, you've got your token here. There's a 20 minute window. How can I help? And you go, well, what is this? It's the bunions in the feet. Mrs. McGregor, you've already been referred to that. Here is your appointment card. There's no reason for you to be here. Ten tokens! And very soon, what you will find is that pensioners are the forgotten people because they've got no tokens left. And suddenly a GP's ward, a surgery, is opened up. It's quiet again because you've no got people in there who are full of shit who just go to the doctor for fucking no reason to go in and try and get a sick note. A sick note! Or painkillers or tablets because they don't want to fucking pay for them. So they go and try and get in the NHS, take the tokens off them and watch them go bye-bye. Simple things. Simple things and already by doing this, I have now warmed your home for pennies. You've made your dinner for pennies and you are saving money in your taxes because I've reduced the bill of the NHS. I mean, my God. I'm some guy. I am some man. And what a ranty podcast this has been. I mean, we're over an hour already. We're over an hour already and we've still not even got into the good stuff yet. Here's here's the problem, right? Is that I have got I've got all the I've got my news I've got my news articles, man. I'm ready to go. I have got Millionaire at Warwick Council. You know? Guy buys land around him to build man cave. Stop his man cave had been torn down. We have got Money Martin Lewis about his energy bill crisis. We've got fucking we got problems with Walker's Chris. Uh, they've been forced to change the recipe because of the war in the UK. The war in the UK, the war in Ukraine. We've got Putin's daughters. God, Putin. They're going after his daughters, man. We've got Putin's daughters getting sanctioned by the Americans. Don't go after a man's daughters, for Christ's sake. We've got the, the guy driving a car into the Russian embassy. Go on, I talk about. I've got questions for Biggie and Bud. A fucking amazing question about Mr. Kipling on Instagram. I've got questions for uh, Kenny Bridges on the um, on the oh, what is it called? <laughs> on the uh, on the Patreon, and I've got questions for Ben the Dunhammer on Patreon as well. But well, you know, we're over, we're over the hour. What we got? What we got to do? I mean, we can't, we can't talk forever. We've effectively done a podcast within a podcast. I've got a whole podcast worth of chat here. So we're just we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to save it, kids. We're gonna have to save it. We're gonna have to put a pin in it and save it. We're gonna have to save that all for a Patreon episode or for for next week's episode. 
So there you go. Kenny boy, uh, Ben, Biggin, uh, great questions. The Mr. Kipling one, spectacular. Kenny boy, the chat about um, the big reset, we'll definitely be talking about that next episode. And Ben, um, well, I don't even know how to say it, Sir Sturmer, Sir Sturmer. We're going to talk about that as well. But that's going to come up in the next episode. Um, so let's wrap this one up. Get on the Patreon, man. Get on the Patreon. It's the best way to support the show and it's the only way to access all of the uh, all of the extra content. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. You can sign up for as little as £4 a month. It's a pound a week. It's fucking nothing. A pound a week. What else can you get for a one pound a week? Nothing. You know? But you get this podcast plus the extra episodes and you get to support a struggling artist. You know, a poor, struggling comic rebuilding his career. So get on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Go to the website, bigscottgibson.com. All the links are there at the socials. And uh, join the mailing list. I, I mean, I hardly ever send out a mail shot. But when I do, good God, it's going to be a belter. So get on there. If you haven't signed up to the mailing list, do that. Bigscottgibson.com. Stick your email address in. And... Uh, Aye, that's it. Questions or topics, drop them over. And I'll speak to you all very soon. But all of that stuff will be brought will be picked up in the uh, in the next in the next episode, as uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre once said. So until then, stay safe. Um you know, maybe maybe start burning some wood in the back garden, maybe build a fire in the living room. Uh, but stay safe, stay warm. Wash your hands, sign your asshole, and I'll see you in a battlefield very soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.